Hey, this is Ernie. Hey, this is JJ. We're an idol threat. You're listening to the Kingdom Core Podcast. Dude, bro, do you even lift? <laughs> His name on high. <laughs> oh, okay. Hey guys, it's Sean. Welcome back to the Kingdom Core Podcast. We've got Chris here with me. Yo. And what was that? <laughs> we're, we're, oh man. Just keep uh, trucking. Just keep trucking. I can oh, say right. that now. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I wasn't gonna keep going, but that's just that's too much. All right, let's try this again. We just got done. Uh, we just finished an interview with Idol Threat. Uh, if you guys are unfamiliar with them, they are a uh, I guess you could call them a post hardcore band, maybe, for lack of that's- better yeah post hardcore band from the nashville area they released their um debut lp on tooth and nail records back in um late fall last year called blurred visions and it was my 2021 album of the year just an absolutely phenomenal record so if you guys haven't heard it yet um either listen to this interview and then go listen to it or (laughs) listen to the record before this interview yeah, uh, you you were fanboying the whole time. No, I'm just kidding. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was such a good interview. Um, we we talked a lot about the album, uh, some funny tour stories. Actually, one one really good one. Um, the album artwork and just some future plans with the band. It was it was a good time. It was a good time to also talk about faith lyrics, mm. just all that stuff, all the normal stuff on the Kingdom Core podcast. Um, real quick, I want to give a shout out to our boys, Gary and Tyler, in the yes. All Sane podcast. If this was not enough idol threat or not enough about Blurred Visions, they have done a really great interview with um, Zeke and Ernie from um, Idol Threat. This interview was with Jay, their drummer, JJ, and then also Ernie. And they did an extremely deep or a very, very in-depth deep dive into the album. I believe every it was song. Part, I believe it was a two-part episode. They did yeah, like oh yeah, 45 so. minutes about the band and their journey. And then they did like another hour, just literally track by track, pretty much lyric like. So I big shout out to them. Great episode. And yeah. uh, we hope you guys enjoy this one. Sweet. So uh, thank you guys for coming on. We've uh, we've been looking forward to this. Uh, thanks for making time. Would you guys mind introducing yourselves for uh, to those who are listening? Okay, I'll go first. Um, I, I I feel like we'll switch off. So you go first this time. I'll go first the next time. We'll we'll do like a we'll be in sync. We got this. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> my name is. I am uh, the guitar and heavy vocals for the band Idle Threat. That was great, man. That was great. He's he's got a great set of hair too. He uh he kind of looks like Jeremy from uh, the Devil's Prada right now, and he's got a mean. <laughs> Dude, I, really does, I so. was gonna say you look like Ryan Kirby. Has anyone ever told you that? What's that? <laughs> maybe maybe I, I was gonna say Ryan Kirby. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I'll take that. Oh, too. dude, you do. Yep, yep, you do. <laughs> It's a mix of Ryan uh, and Jeremy, like dead on. <laughs> uh, incredible! I'm gonna call you that for like the next week, so I hope you know. I'll um, but yeah, I'm I'm Justin. Um, I go by JJ, I guess. Um, so I play drums, uh, and that's about it. Yeah, 
Heck yeah. no, no yelling or anything for me. <laughs> How long has Idle Threat been a uh, been a band? When did you guys form? How'd that come about? Um, so uh, we formed in well, it was kind of like a converging of two different roads, but um, so from my perspective, in 2014, uh, uh, Zeke uh, and I had been kind of just getting together and playing like Fallout Boy covers and stuff together, like in my parents' basement. And um, we always kind of wanted to be like, you know, a band and like actually try to do it, you know. And we never really like made those stars align until uh, Ernie uh, came along. So, and he can give a way better story. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so from like my perspective, <clears throat> while that's going on, I uh, grew up going uh, to shows and stuff, and um, I had been in and out of bands all through high school, um, but finally got to the, you know, I was at that point, I uh, graduated high school, and my usual crew that I would play music with uh, moved on to do other things, and so um, I met Zeke on the church worship group uh, band, and uh, we just kind of hit it off because we would both just play like riffs of bands that we liked. And so not a lot of people even recognize what those riffs were, but let alone like actually liked those bands. And so uh, we became friends. And then uh, I was like, Hey man, like if you ever want to get together and write, we can. And so we did, and we started writing some stuff. And uh, then we got to that point where it's like, Hey, we've got a batch of like ideas. Uh, we just need a drummer. And that's when he was like, well, I actually play drum or actually uh, get together with my friend JJ. And, uh, so we, we, uh, that, I'm, I'm skipping some stuff cause we also like started this like fake band, uh, cause we wanted to play this like local venue, uh, that it was called headache house. And they always had like the just gnarliest named bands that played there. What was your guys' band house. name? This fake band. Yeah. Our band was called, uh, fecal matters. And, <laughs> there you go. Uh, you yeah. guys play grindcore. <laughs> we tried to we were like, like the heaviest stuff we could come up with and play one show. That's all we wanted to do, and then we couldn't even get that together because the the drummer that we used at the time he was one of my my old bandmates, and he was just like super flaky. So it didn't end up happening, and that's when I was like, "Well, I still want to do this." And he connected uh, all of us together, and I went over to JJ's house one day, and the rest is history. So we've been going ever since that point that was what 2014 or was it earlier than that yeah it was uh like the fall of 2014 yeah okay and then you guys got a much better band name yeah (laughs) (laughs) i i still one day we'll do like a fecal matters like just one off Uh, maybe you guys could fit that into your furnace fest set Uh, uh, so, uh, what does the name Idol Threat mean? I, I've always been curious. Is there, <laughs> first off, many people were asked, when I told people I know about this interview, they're like, ask them if it has anything to do with Minor Threat. So I wanted to ask that first. Yeah, so yeah, so I, I'm the one that essentially came up with the name. Uh, okay. And I, I think early on when I would do, like, interviews and stuff, I would, I always said, like, yeah, like, you know, there definitely had something to do with like minor threat or like that was like, you know, in my mind. But honestly, like now that I'm so far removed from when we actually named the band, like I don't think it really means anything. Like I, I think we just kind of <laughs> yeah. Named and like yeah. I, I do remember like listening to um, 
so so Josh Scoggin had just like left the chariot and uh started 68 and he had a song off of uh was it in humor and sadness or something um and one of the lyrics said something about like uh idle hand idle hands the devil's cup or something was I could be butchering that but like that word idle just kind of stuck out so I do know like that was an inspiration um so I think I just heard that the word idle and thought oh you know idle threat like you know, making a threat that doesn't have much, you know, backing behind it. So, yeah, but ultimately, like, it has no, like, real deep meaning to it. Gotcha. <laughs> Is there any uh, meaning behind the all lowercase in Idle Threat? Yeah, so that actually, uh, yeah, it's it's like an aesthetic thing. So uh, that was one of those uh, attempts that, you know, when when we did the record, we kind of wanted to do, like, a, a little bit of change anyway, but, um, mm. <laughs> it actually spurred from like, like me trying to be like, okay, like we're going to create this like visual that goes with like our name because we we've had so many issues like with like our name. And that really comes from the fact that there is an idle threat that existed in the eighties, uh, in New York. Um, oh, and okay. we, I don't really know if we got hit with like, or it was more of like a threatening, like to hit us with a lawsuit thing. But was we it like, an oh, idle threat? Like... <laughs> <laughs> it actually. Was. Oh man, it that's was. that's a load of Finkel matters. Yeah, but they they were like, "Hey, uh, these guys like are taking our name," uh, and we were like, uh, "Let's get with like a lawyer." So we ended up like adding a period. So that's why for the longest time we were like idle threat mm. period, and then. When we were signing to Tooth and Nail, I was like, guys, like, let's drop the period and, like, just do all lowercase everything. So we kind of shifted into a new era of, like, you know, trying to change up, like, how the band, like, you know, looks, at least with, like, the name and, like, the mm-hmm. logo mm-hmm. and, like, the song yeah. titles and stuff like that. I would also, um, like, with each, like, in- installment of the name, whether it be, like, the original or the period or now it's lowercase, like... I think it came at like a good time uh, in terms of like where we were going with the band. Like I, I do really attribute those as like different eras of the band. Um, you know, at first we were just kind of figuring out what we wanted to sound like. There was no real like direction. We just kind of wanted to write music. And honestly, like a lot of that stuff we don't like and we don't play. And so uh, once we hit the, the period, once we put that on there, uh, it was like, this is like uh, we have become a little bit more established as what we want to sound like. And then obviously just dropping it and going lowercase, like we're still evolving, but like we, ha- we've come into who we think we, we are and who we're going to sound like. And mm-hmm. you know, that's the direction that we're going to continue going from here on out. I think you guys found a, a good spot for the sound. Right. Yeah. And speaking of your journey and, and the different segments, like how did Tooth and Nail come into the conversation? Where did that whole story start? Yeah. So uh, we uh, put out uh, a record called Grown Tired back in like 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, JJ's the, he knows all the dates. So he, yes, he, it is 2016 <laughs> I have it on Spotify. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> 2016 we put this record out and we toured on that bad boy for way too long like uh, probably like 2020 (laughs) yeah i mean right yeah roughly because we had we had actually kind of stopped to actually write nothing is broken for good and so uh once we had nothing is broken for good like written and honestly even recorded already um we knew we had like 
a special batch of songs. And so we decided like, Hey, let's like pitch, pitch this to labels. And what does that even look like in, you know, 2019 at the time? Um, uh, do you still mail it in? Is it just an email? Like, how do we go about doing this? So we just like basically cold emailed uh, a bunch of labels. And, uh, the only one that got back with us was tooth and nail. And they did it within Mm. like less less than like 24 hours. And we're just like, Hey, like you're a band that we've kind of been looking for, like something to sound like this. Okay. You know, maybe it was just like right time, right place. And, um, so yeah, that's, that's where tooth and nail, I mean, we all grew up on tooth and nail. So like it it was definitely at the top of our list of one that we'd like to, to land. Um, Mm. But it, yeah, it was essentially just a hey, like, what do you think of these songs? We didn't send them all; we just sent a couple, and they they, uh, they seemed to dig them enough to pick it up. So that's where we. Where Boy, we did we fool them! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. Uh, so, kind of take us through uh, your guys' metal journey or like heavy music journeys. <clears throat> um. So. Also, sorry that I sound like a prepubescent boy. I went to a Nashville soccer club game last night and lost my voice. So, uh, <laughs> all good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I got into it pretty early actually. So my so my dad he he like loved playing drums and like grew up like you know in the golden era of music and stuff like that. So um, my favorite bands when I was like younger it was like you know your classics like Metallica and Rush and ACDC and like all of them and you know once I started to like kind of you know be a young little buck I uh, got into you know bands like August Burns Red and like As Lay Dying and all of them like on my own and um, uh, I'll go ahead and mention like my dad he's a he's a preacher and like we would go to these like youth conferences and stuff and they there was always these little like CD booths and stuff and some of the first like CDs that I bought like with my own money uh were um Asley Dying's uh Frail Words Collapse and then August Burns Red's uh Thrill Seeker and you know I was mm-hmm. like you know like 10 or whatever and I saw them and I was like dude these have skulls on them and like you know this is like metal music and stuff and you know and it, you know best decisions I've like ever made you know uh so that's where it all started for me but then I also had an older sister and she would drag me to shows like all the time so uh god bless rocket town in Nashville and what it used to be um but, you know, I was there probably, like, every weekend from the time I was, like, 14 to, like, you know, younger 20s. So, um, yeah, that's wow. really how, that's cool. how I got into it. And, uh, you know, it's taken me places that I never thought I would go. Uh, and that's the short mm-hmm. and sweet on that. So <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Ernie? Yeah, I, uh, I guess I had a little bit of a different route. I wasn't even really into rock music at all until probably middle school uh, okay before, before that i was like just like hip-hop rap like that was pretty much it um and then uh i liked like some of like the radio stuff at the time mm. but then when i uh was in the sixth grade actually uh i always say that like t- for me 2006 was like the most impactful time in my life because at that time or the summer of that year I got saved and it was also the summer I was introduced to 
heavy music. Um, and so I made a pretty like big jump into the genre because uh, I had a friend actually, it was all for full, full circle. Cause like I mentioned that venue that we wanted to play. Well, the, the guy's house was the guy who actually got me into heavy music in the first place. So like our town isn't that big. So it's really, you know, kind of small world, but like, uh, we were on the track track and field team together and just like one day in the locker room, he's like, you ever listen to this band? And I was like, no. And so he showed me, um, like under oath me without you, uh, Norma Jean, just that whole post hardcore kind of world. Mm-hmm. And I hate it. I, it sounded horrible. <laughs> <laughs> he was cool to me and still is cool to me. And I always think that he's like, just such a good dude and 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 i have a special place for him in my heart but um i just kind of stuck with it until i finally like liked it mm-hmm. and also it was like the golden age of like illegally downloading music with limewire so <laughs> <laughs> i had you know before spotify like you had to wait for stuff or like find it on youtube but mm-hmm. or you could do it like me and just get all these horrible versions of it that are like crappily recorded into the, onto the computer. And so I would just like find stuff. And, and, and honestly, like a lot of that stuff was not good, but like, I was like forcing myself to like it. And then some stuff kind of stood the test of time. And and I still love it to this day. Like I still love under oath. I still love uh, me without you still my favorite band. So like a lot of that stuff, like had to me, like had some really, uh, good value to it and was really well done back then for it to still be like, you know, relevant today. And so, um, yeah, it was just sort of a, a, a big jump, but eventually like after sticking with it long enough, like I grew to love it and, um, I still love hip hop. I still love, you know, folk, I, I like all kinds of stuff, but like I wouldn't uh, be doing what I'm doing. Certainly if it weren't for that one guy, uh, who I <laughs> thought was cool and looked up to, you know, that's awesome. And so, um, I guess next question is who's idol threats biggest influence. Do you guys have, cause you mentioned, um, me without you under oath, Norma Jean, like I definitely can hear some me without you. Definitely some Norma Jean. Um, I was telling Chris before this, like I'm, I would bet money that as cities burn has been an influence. Like I could, I could hear that throughout. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) I think, uh, so we all have like different kind yep. of uh, inspirations that that brought us to this point. Um, ironically enough, As Cities Burn is not really one of the top dogs. It's uh, for uh, you or for the band. For the band, like across the oh board, wow, like, okay. None, none of us were like super. I, I do like As Cities Burn. Mm-hmm. I do uh, like they have several records that you know I I, I own. Um, but I got into them late, like after we had already been doing what we're, what we've been doing. So, mm. oh, okay. Um, they, yeah, they weren't so much like a huge uh, inspiration. Like, I guess for us, like if, if you were to like unanimously pick a band, it would probably be bands like Under Oath. Um, but we never really tried to be like anything other than just like, Hey, let's like write what we'd like. Um, mm-hmm. so for me, like my favorites are, you know, me without you. Uh, I love Manchester orchestra. Um, oh yes you know like those are those are like people that i i, I draw from. i like thrice uh you know there's there's bands that i draw from for sure 
Um, Zeke was more on like the pop punk side, like coming into it from like a, a, a Mayday Parade was like one of his favorites, and like oh okay, um, yeah, like the Wonder Years and stuff like that. So he he his lens is like, and I think it comes out. I mean, clearly, like I'm the one that screams, he's the one that sings. Although he's starting to do some more yelling lately, but like, um, you know, I think you can kind of hear where that clear like path is, uh, or those two roads. And then, you know, JJ, I'll let you, you speak on this, but he's sort of been more into like, a, like the, the heavier stuff for sure. Yeah. So I think like, you know, just to reiterate, uh, all of us have different, like, like varieties of music that we're into. Um, and all of us are very universal with our music tastes, but I think where we draw inspiration is very like different. Um, and like, for me, I'm definitely wired more for like live music, um, uh, I definitely prefer playing like shows and stuff rather than like writing. But I think that's why I fell in love with like drummers. Like uh, I always reference David Kennedy from the chariot and then Andy Hurley from Fall Out Boy. Um, those are probably my two biggest influences uh, behind the drum set. But, you know, like I also like, I always reference like Elvis Presley because Elvis is probably my favorite entertainer of all time. Um, and it's mostly because he was an entertainer. Like when you went to an Elvis show, like you were just totally captivated by his voice and like the music, but also like the dude could shake it and like command a crowd and like all that. So, um, and that's just, that's just how I'm wired. Like, you know, um, Ernie and I have joked before, like whenever we play shows and stuff, like, yeah, we're playing our music, but also like, you know, I, I want people there to like have fun and like, engage mm-hmm. with us and like you know we're gonna go out and do our thing and like you know ernie kind of dances around sometimes and he's fun to watch and like you know i i'm kind of notorious for just kind of hitting really hard so people bring that up a lot too and you know if we're an entertaining band to watch that's what i want to be uh, because that's where i draw influence from um so yeah that's my scope on it i mean I, I hope that all of that like bleeds through and people like see and hear that. Um, but you know, our influences definitely come from different places. And I think that's why our band works so well together because we do have all these like outlets that we're pulling from. And this, this might be jumping a little too far ahead, but uh, something was just announced where people can go see you guys yes. play soon. Right. Yeah. <laughs> labeled fest yeah. that sounds like a fun time yeah so we're, yeah, we're actually rats, hitting guys. the road <laughs> I, yeah thank you thank you um i don't know when this will like air or whatever but we're actually hitting the road next week um we're doing the our, our lp we're doing like the part two tour um so we're oh, going same. like hmm. you know up to you know new york and back playing a couple like midwest shows and stuff uh it's gonna be sick we're taking out uh the tooth and nail band uh make sure and then our local friends in Distend. Um, so that'll be a lot of fun. And then this summer we're doing Label Fest. Um, and that'll be an absolute blast. Um, yeah, it's it's absolutely insane. Um, so I, I just hope people come see us. Like, we've never been to the West Coast before. So farthest west we've been is Texas, right, Ernie? Yeah, that's it. So oh, wow. We're on all- yeah. So and, and to make it clear, because I know the the flyer has been confusing to some people, but uh, we're on the the east leg and the west coast. We're not, unfortunately, yeah. we're not doing the Texas run. But yeah, yeah. the other That's two awesome. were there. That's so sick. Are you guys gonna? I mean, 
obviously this probably isn't up to you, but do you guys think Corey will be able to uh, to do those guest vocals on Driftwood? We're going to ask. I mean, ask. we'll ask him if he's interested in, in, in doing it. I mean, uh, it's cool <laughs> to get to know those guys and like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. I think sick. I think I've called Corey old or old man too much to where he'll do anything for us anymore. <laughs> right, we'll see. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. awesome. I, I guess that's a perfect segue into Blurred Visions, uh, starting off with Driftwood. Um, do you guys want to just take us through like the main themes of the album, <clears throat> what the inspiration was, and uh, the name of the album, how that all came to be? Because you guys signed with Tooth and Nail in, I think, 2018 2019 you wrote yeah. uh nothing is broken for good and then um it was like not even a year later or maybe like a year and a half later you dropped blurred visions yeah that's right um so so blurred visions uh ultimately is just about like this idea that uh we do not have control um over our lives over our circumstances uh things happen and uh coincidentally you know a pandemic happened that we didn't write it from that perspective uh but but that you know that is one example of of kind of what we were talking about um but though things uh though we don't have this control like we personally believe that 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 god is in control and that that control is much better than us if it were left up to us to have control um mm-hmm. And so uh, it, the record comes out of nothing is broken for good because, well, even that, like that record uh, was sort of like meant to be like a parallel to um, the, uh, hello, my wife is on camera. I'm sorry. (laughs) 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 At some point that was going to happen. That was um, great. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, so we'll say this is the, the starting point. Uh, Nothing is broken for good was sort of meant as a parallel to uh, Grown Tired in that Grown Tired is sort of like this like apathetic like kind of negative view of uh, kind of where we're at with like church and like just like it was just kind of more of a negative perspective. And then Nothing is broken for good was meant to be like that positive side of it and so when we're writing blurred visions um we wanted to write kind of all perspective coming into it so like the negative being like we're not in control but the positive being that that's actually a good thing um and so uh yeah so most of most of the the songs hit on uh different elements of like control like whether it be time like uh the gold grows dim uh is, is sort of like this time just keeps moving and we don't have any control over that. Um, we, we wish for, we think about things in the past and like, whether it be fond memories or, you know, things that you regret. Um, and then we also look to the future for things we're looking forward, but like really the best is like right now being in the present. Mm. Um, then, yeah, yeah. Just like, uh, there's elements of loss, like losing, losing people that you love. And that being like something you can't control. And so, yeah, that's just like kind of where we went through. We didn't, we definitely didn't like intend for it to just be like this one big, like thematic album where, you know, we're not trying to tell a story or necessarily that. It's just like, 
that's kind of where we were at at that time with a lot of uh, feeling like, you know, control is something everybody wants, but uh, like, it's just not, it's not real. Like, you just can't, you can't, it's not a realistic expectation. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's kind of, what was your perspective, Mr. Jones? You know, I think it's it's funny because, like, normally I would kind of deflect and just be like, oh, I just hit stuff. Like, I really, you know, I don't know. But um, I think there is something that it, it was a very, like, transitory part of my life um, when we went to make that record. Um, so I had actually been a, a preschool teacher, if you can believe that or not, uh, for That's the horrible. prior, like, seven years. Um, and I quit that school. Um, you know, there, there's a bigger story behind this, but I basically quit that job to like, go make this record. Um, and while we were there, it was just like, I was, I had just started like a bachelor's program, um, and like all that jazz, but I was like working towards all these things, like moving out of like the past into like a new era chapter of my life, whatever you want to call it. And, um, for me, like, I've always been like, like really into trying to control like my own like outlets and stuff um and obviously that's there's a lot of different like ways that i can bring that up but i'm not trying to bore y'all but uh uh, so that period of time in my life was like man like we're writing this record and i get to like kind of sit down and like actually let go of just a lot of things like whether that be prior like uh, jobs, relationships, whatever. And I just had a month to make music with everybody. And, you know, I, I told the story the other day, but like the day that I finished tracking, uh, drums, I actually went and sat down by the lake and I had a little, you know, bottle of scotch and I got a nice cigar and I was just like, totally at peace, you know, just sitting there reading a book. Like I had just finished tracking our record and it was incredible. Um, and like, you know, that was something small that I could control like in the moment, but having all those like, you know, struggles with trying to find things that I could control and things that I couldn't, um, you know, it was something that I had to like process and learn. And then it was just really cool. Like having that like parallel with like the record that we were making, um, and the bigger themes that go along with that as well. Um, and being able to have that conversation with people that listen to it and they're like, Oh, like, you know. I was struggling with this and like, it's like, Oh, me too. You know, and this, this is something I can't control, but this is something I can control. So like, you know, finding those ways to like have those conversations with people and that opens up other conversations too. So sorry if that was long winded, but (laughs) Um, no, that's great. That's really cool. (laughs) I keep every, everything you guys keep saying, it just, the, the line from no turning back just keeps coming up in my mind. Uh, so I let go of my illusion of control. And that's really, that's my favorite song on the album. Mm-hmm. I've said this online a lot. That was my favorite song of all of 2021. Like I absolutely, that song means so much to me personally, as someone who has struggled with anxiety for the last seven, eight years. Um, it's like become one of my anti-anxiety anthems. I have a list of songs that I listen to when, to, to kind of bring me out of that fear when I'm when I'm anxious, when I want control, when something's not going my way. So I really just want to thank you guys for pouring out your hearts and souls into that song, into this album. But even more so, could you take us through that song? Yeah. Um, 
So, yeah, that, I mean, that's really cool that you say that because, like, also, like, that was, like, a huge uh, thing that I was dealing with um, that last year uh, was anxiety. Um, I've had anxiety in my life a couple times, and so, uh, like, we're, well, I've always had it, but it's, like, manifested even more certain certain time periods of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it got to the point where, like, uh, it was, like, affecting my marriage, and, like, so, um, you know, for me personally, like, I... Uh, saw a therapist for it and stuff. And like that, that, that helped and it helped me clear up, um, the, to be able to write about it from that perspective. And so mm-hmm. actually safety and safety in the shade is, is actually my anxiety story. Um, Oh, so that, okay. That song is actually about me, like dealing with anxiety last year. And, uh, so the idea of, and, and I know you mentioned no turning back and I'll get to that, but like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all like, good. But like anxiety, like they just like made me think about this song because like that song is is uh, literally about me like realizing that like the best way for me to get through the anxiety was to like face it head on and not run. Um, and so, mm. uh, no turning back though is sort of like the reason we put it last. Also, was because it is such a good uh, recap, really, of the whole record. Like it is, it kind of is like the main point. Um, and I think, like, if you only hear one song from the record and you want to know what the record's about, like, that's the one. So, um, that song is, uh, just, I mean, I feel like it's pretty straightforward for the most part. It's probably the most straightforward to me on, mm-hmm. on the record, uh, because it is just this idea of, like, we just are so, like, closed-fisted, uh, with our life. Like, trying to, trying to make it all perfect fit into a certain way. And then when things don't go our way, uh, it, it causes us to kind of spiral or go, go down not the most healthy mindsets, right? And so um, it's coming to that realization that, like, I'm going to just give up. Like, not give up life, but give up that, that desire for control and trust, ultimately, that, that God is going to pick me up and, and carry me where, where I'm supposed to go. Um, and so, yeah, just like, uh, you know, the, the, the main chorus is I let go my illusion of control, right? It's like, I think I've got it, but it's not there. It's not real. And so, mm-hmm. but then it talks about being, you know, swept up in the clouds and, and, you know, being like, just like, basically, like I said, just kind of carried, uh, in the comfort of, of Christ and knowing what he did and, um, not that that makes life easier, but it certainly helps comfort the mind, you know? Mm. Uh, you were talking about safety in the shade being about anxiety. I was, I was just listening to this album like an hour before this, and I was reading the lyrics of that song, and I was like, is this about Jonah? Is there, is there anything relating to the book of Jonah in there when he's got the cursed tree and the shade? Yeah, or, no, it's, no? it's not. It, <laughs> okay. It's, it's literally just like, uh, for, so for me specifically, my anxiety had to do with like, uh, like heat, like being over, overheated and stuff like that. And it has caused oh, me okay. like <laughs> physical, like, so it's, it's a, it's one that like people like, there's no way you would know like what that song is mm. about. And so yeah. I'd love, love to hear like what people think it's about because it's like, Hey, if that's what it's about to you, cool. Like, but I can tell you, like, there's actual literal meaning behind it and, like, safety. <laughs> and shit. 
literally like I I I think like if I could just get under that shade, like I'll feel feel good. Um, when like it's that's not true. Like the shade will the shade will move, and then I'll have to keep moving. So it's just all <laughs> mm. instead. I just need to face it head on and just like deal with the anxiety rather than trying to medicate it. Mm. Yeah. Now there is another song on the album that's my personal favorite that I believe is referencing a Bible story, and that's Simon. Is that correct, or is there some other background stuff? Is there like a personal aspect to you guys, or is that just straight up kind of like Peter's reflection of yeah what Christ did? Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. And I I know I'm talking more than JJ here, but I mean I wrote. The, we wrote the lyrics. You write the lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> JJ, uh, how did it feel to to bang drums on that song? <laughs> yeah, that one Tom. <laughs> yeah. How'd you do that, man? Actually, okay, so I'll tell a, a quick story. So uh so when we were recording Simon, um I so like I we wanted to have a song on the on the record that wasn't like the rest of like our, our tunes. So we were gonna do this like slow song or whatever. And at first like you know, we're we're doing like a little slow part. We we had it coming out of uh oh gosh, I should know. It comes out of arrogant love. Yes. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Oof. Uh so <laughs> uh when we were like writing it, you know, I'm bored to tears, like <laughs> in the in the drum room. But uh when we ended up like, you know, putting the pen to paper there, we ended up getting this giant like concert like bass drum and I had to track each of the parts like separately because I was playing like a hi-hat at one point, but also like a different snare across the room. Uh, And then also I was sitting in the floor having to hit this concert drum. It was so much fun actually to like piece together. And I mean, it's like a simple like part, but yeah, that that's all I have to offer. Um, (laughs) I think (laughs) hearing the final version of that song was really cool, though, because I remember, you know, I didn't I didn't really know going into it what it was gonna really even be about. But uh, I remember hearing the final version and being like, man, like dude, Zeke knocked it out of the park with lyrics on Mm -hmm. this. And I give Mm -hmm. I give Ernie Mm -hmm. and Zeke a hard time all the time about their lyrics, but like. Dude, Zeke absolutely killed it with these. So, yeah, yeah. All right, now skip Ernie, and uh, we'll move on to another question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll just say you're right. It is like, I mean, it's it's just about Peter's perspective. Uh, But I mean, I can't really take much credit for the writing of the lyrics on that one because. Um, in full disclosure, we got to the studio and didn't have very many lyrics for our songs. And we, we had a month to try to figure it out. Um, and so there was some times where we kind of did the divide and conquer thing and and Zeke would go and take a song and work on it throughout the day. And I would take a totally different song and go write. And that was one that he had been, um, well, I mean, honestly, like some songs, sometimes come together like really slow and it takes time, but that was one that he, he says, um, he just like started writing and, and it just started sort of like divinely started coming out. Like he, he just, mm-hmm. he just kept writing and writing. And it was really, really quick for him, honestly. And, and I remember he brought me, uh, not the final version, but like mostly there. Uh, and, and he's like, Hey, what do you think of this? And played it for me. And, and he, and he sang it and like, I like teared up and I was yeah. like, mm-hmm. 
It's like, man, it's a really like, beautiful song. Yeah. I was like, this is really good. And, and JJ gives us a hard time, but I also give Zeke a hard time. Like I'm more, of like, <laughs> I'm more of like the, like, let's try to say this as poetic as possible to the point where it's like borderline has no meaning. And <laughs> you know, those, that kind of band, uh, but Zeke was more on the like um, more straightforward for a long time, and he's become more poetic, which is to me, I just think it's more creative to do it that way sometimes. Um, and so I can tend to be like kind of difficult and be like, man, that what you're saying is so lame. Like, don't say that. You know? <laughs> but this was one that he brought to me, and I was like, that's it, man. Like, that's I don't have anything to say. And then in the studio, we tweaked like just a couple phrases, but like for the most part, like what he presented is what ended up on i think it's seriously like i wouldn't change anything about it it's great Hmm. yeah that's it it's weird because for people who know me and my musical taste i'm like with bands like yours specifically i really like the heavy stuff sure but i was talking to sean before this and like simon i'm like is my favorite song off the album but like my second favorite song would probably have to be beige which is also like the other <laughs> like softer song and it's weird because like you guys do heavy very well but like there's just something at least with my listening that the light stuff that you guys do just clicks and it's just yeah it's so good cool that's awesome. So I wanted to, um, before this, I went on the labeled podcast group on Facebook and I said, hey, I'm interviewing Idle Threat in an hour. Does anyone have any questions? And I, uh, I haven't checked it. So I want to I wanna see what questions there might be. Should we be scared? Be. No, no. I, I, <laughs> I, I should be the one scared. <laughs> um, they said, here's a good one. Favorite song you guys have written? Uh, mine, I bounce back and forth. It's either, either, uh, Driftwood or Safety in the Shade. Those are really okay. fun to write. They're really fun to play. So those are mine. Yeah, I would say, Ooh. that's hard to choose. Um, I guess I really, I really like The Gold Grows Down a lot. Mm. Um, and and then safety in the shade, which is just yeah, just because I get, I get a cool mosh call at the end, so that's pretty rare. Oh, so so I love that part. <laughs> that part is so sick. <laughs> uh, let's see, someone craziest said, tour story. Yes, that's a good one. Oh, craziest tour story. Okay, we have a ton of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, I uh, we're like pretty. Uh, I don't know. I feel like at least within other bands that we've toured with, like we're pretty notorious for having just the worst luck. Um, Oh no. Several, several flat tires, uh, you know, just being stuck on the side of the road at like four in the morning, things like that. But I'd say like for me, like one of the worst, Oh, there's, there's so many. Okay. I'm going to pick one. Um, (laughs) We played in Pittsburgh uh, one summer. We played Pittsburgh and then decided to... We didn't have anywhere to stay. So um, the band that we were on tour with at the time put out like a Facebook post and said, like, hey, like, we're playing Syracuse the next day. Like, is there anywhere between here and there that can put us up? And so we 
uh, got some hits. And um, there used to be this band called Bungler. Um, and they basically were like, hey, like, we've, we've got a couple places that we can kind of... The, the tour party was pretty big, so, like, all of us couldn't stay in one house. So they had to split us up. Well, um, the band we were on tour with went one one house. We went to another. And we pull up at, like, 2 a.m. I'm, I'm, I'm getting messages from the guy that we're staying with, and he has... I, I can't remember his name, but we'll just say it's, like, Alex or something like that. And when we pull up, though... Uh, I text him, say, hey, we're out front. He comes out and introduces himself as something totally different. And I was like, okay. And he's like, yeah, you're staying here with me. So we go in his house, and it is super nice. Like, for, I mean, you try not to, like, you know, stereotype or anything like that, but you're just, like, you're, like, kind of the same age as me, like, man, what do you do for a living? You know, like, (laughs) (laughs) house. Uh, and so he's like talking to us. He's super New York, uh, New York, like just like, you know, cussing every other word. Uh, and like, he's like, yeah, you're going to stay here. Well, at this time, his roommates come out. He has two roommates and they're clearly on something. And um, they're asking us questions like, you know, well, what kind of gear do you have? And they're like, creepily like peeking through the blinds like looking at our van uh. out front and we just got this weird vibe like super crazy and um and then also uh, like a girl comes out of the alex's room and like gets a slice of pizza or something from the from the fridge um and anyways we find out like that's not his girlfriend and it's just like this just kind of weird vibe the whole time um, so anyways, we, 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 we ask him if he wants to get, uh, wings with us the next day. And he's like, Oh, I, I can't like with what I do. Like, I never know when someone needs me. So we figured out pretty much that he was a drug dealer and we just felt super oh, uneasy gosh. his roommates. And so in the middle of the night, like it was like, again, we got there like two, so two hours at least passed. We like text each other. We're super quiet. And we just, everybody, like, everybody's phones light up because they all have their phone in, in their hand. And, like, I can see everyone's face in the room. And uh, they're just like, y'all want to get out of here? And we're like, <laughs> yeah. So we pack up quietly. We don't say anything to him. And we just leave. And we drive to Niagara Falls because we were going to see it the next day anyways. Uh, and we slept in a, slept in a Tim Hortons p- parking lot. And <laughs> then we saw Niagara Falls at, at sunrise. And it was really cool. But... It was such a long night, and we should have just like got a hotel probably or something. But jeez, yeah. I mean, hey, Tim Hortons is a good way, you know, you can go get some coffee and donuts in the morning or something. Yeah, <laughs> it could have we could have ended up like with our stuff stolen, but yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I almost mean, thought that was going somewhere. Like they were, yeah, uh, they they like bait bands to come stay with them and then they like steal all their gear in the middle of the night or something. Oh no, someone stole your gear. <laughs> yeah. Right here in the living room. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's crazy. Yeah. Um another good question. Someone asked how did Zeke get so good looking? I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> He got he got beat up too many times, and that's just what he looks like now. So he actually, oh. <laughs> good looking. Yikes! Alrighty. Um, so, 
<laughs> oh, that was good. Um, so kind of jumping back into Blurred Visions and your guys' sound, um, I wanted to ask, can you explain the dichotomy, Ernie, between you, your um, your screen vocals and um, and Zeke's clean vocals, how that plays into the writing process? Um, we had Steve from Wolves on the Gate a few episodes ago, and I kind of asked him, like, between him and Nick, is there, like, are there times when you write a song when you're like, oh, I need to write a part for Zeke or Zeke's writing and, oh, I need to write a part for Ernie? Or does it all just kind of come together naturally like that? Yeah, I think um, I think in the past we were definitely more so like, hey, we both have to be represented on every song. Um, but we've kind of landed. I mean, Blurred Visions has several songs that I'm not even on um, mm-hmm. vocally. Uh, and, you know, I think there are also some songs on there where he's – He's, he's there, but it, like, it definitely is more of me. And so um, we've kind of landed at the – we've always said – not that we've always followed this rule, but we've always said that like we want to do what's best for the song or what we believe to be best for the song. And so um, a lot of the times what ends up happening is like um, we just kind of hear it in the song like, as we're writing because we don't normally write like lyrics or vocals until the riffs and the song has kind of been established. Um, and so when that happens, like, we'll just kind of listen to the instrumentals over and over again. And then like, we can just kind of hear it. And a lot of times we agree on, Hey, yeah, this would be cool if this is you. And this would be cool if this is me. And this would be awesome if it was both of us and some sort of overlap or, you know, staggered, however that needs to be. But, um, a lot of the times it is more natural and it is just kind of what we're feeling. Um, and then this, with this record, we actually worked with a producer. And so that's a whole nother level, you know, of like, Hey, mm-hmm. I think this isn't working. Let's try something else. Or let's, let's see if Zeke does this part or, um, even, um, Nathan, who is like a touring member of ours, like he was actually there to help with the, the, the record. And so we had him lay down some, some vocals. So no one's really like stuck on having their voice heard, which I know not all bands work that way. Um, uh-huh. but we definitely, you know, if, if the part, sounds better with me screaming, then we're going to go with that. And I, I do appreciate that about our band because I, I uh, have seen interviews and stuff from other bands where like they argue and butt heads over because they have that lead yes. singer syndrome. And I don't think we necessarily. <laughs> yeah. And then there's Justin over here. He's like, give me a drum solo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's just, they, they just, they're scared to give me a mic, you know, that you don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. So <laughs> can, can you sing? Slash the screen, no. like <laughs> not enough. <laughs> We'd like to remain signed to Tooth and Nail and not get <laughs> <laughs> great answer. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, that's so good. Oh, Chris. Yeah, uh, there's mm. a question you always ask that you haven't asked yet that is reflective of your page. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was I was thinking that's where you're going with. Um yeah, one of the the main features of the page that I run for the rock is very visual driven, and so I always like to ask bands about the album artwork if there's any um, specific cool stories about it, like how how it came to be, any meaning in it. Um, it's who did really it? great artwork. Yeah, yeah. Who did it? I I love the colors on it. Like, yes, so good. the the blue green is just like. Mm. It's it's chef's kiss. It really adds to so, the listening experience for real. Yeah. 
So it, at least to, you know, give a preliminary answer, um, it, that actually is like my favorite color. Um, and it very, it was kind of a, a funny coincidence, but that's the color of my current drum set actually. Um, so oh, when okay. we were looking through what we were presented for the album artwork, you know, we went through, I don't know how many photos, but that was the one that, you know, I'll speak from a personal level. Like that was the one that I was drawn to the most. Um, and I'm biased because it is my favorite color. Um, but like, I think, and, and Ernie, I, I, I'll be honest, I don't remember their name, but, uh, the person that did these for us, um, like when they, when they sent those over, um, I was like, okay, like this one's my favorite one. And I think that they had listened to the record. So, um, you know, having someone that like took the time to be able to put all those things together, um, it was kind of cool, um, that now on the other side of it, like this artwork does mean, um, something, uh, to people when they listen to the record. Um, and then we've, we tried to roll out visuals with it as well. Like, you know, we, we're using like Valmart as like our, our backdrop for the past, like, you know, couple tours that we did. We'll probably keep it behind the merch table and stuff at upcoming tours and stuff like that. But, um, it's really cool that it's like resonating with people. Um, <clears throat> our record is resonating with people on a visual, uh, level as well. So, mm-hmm. Did you get presented with like, like what type of images were they? Were they was it like photography, like a set from a photographer? Yeah. So like essentially we just like uh, were asked kind of uh, what we would like the visual representation of the record to look like. Um, and uh, we, we sent out like kind of, we knew we wanted it to be like a photo. Um, that that's kind of like the initial guidance that we gave. It's like, hey, like a, a photo would be cool. If I'm not mistaken, though, like they sent us back uh, probably like six or seven ideas, and like none of them I don't, was this one even in that batch. Like I can't remember, but I remember so, having to give a a little more direction, like being like, yeah, um, like we did we dig the stuff. Like there was one in particular that was close to what it ended up being, but I ended up being like, hey, like. I think what I had in mind was like a central image that was like blurry, <laughs> you know? Uh, mm-hmm. And, but the color that they were, like, I didn't, I don't think we picked a cut. Like that's just what they picked. Um, mm-hmm. And so once we gave them a little more guidance, then um, we got back some more and that's when we saw the one and we're like, yes. And I think we were pretty much unanimous. Like, yeah, that's the one that we want. Um, and it, you know, it is cool to hear that. Like uh, you feel like it adds to the record because Again, as like a fan of me without you and, and bands like that, like the visual aspect is is intertwined with the listening experience for a lot of people, mm-hmm. uh, as it, I believe it should be because it is for me. And so, I I when I think of like iconic, you know, records, uh, at least in our scene, you know, I think of like I think of Under Oaths, like they're only chasing safety with that you know, the girl's face with the breathing mask and like, like it, I can't separate the two of those anymore. Like I'm going to listen to Mm -hmm. that record. I'm going to see that image and, or vice versa. I'm going to see the image and I'm going to think of a song specifically off that. And so I'm real big on, and hopefully moving forward, there will also be some sort of congruency maybe that you will know, like, Hey, that's an idle threat record. We've talked about that. And, and you know, that comes up when you're actually writing the songs and what it needs to look like. But uh, we definitely felt like that one, 
that they sent to us. And I, I feel bad because I, I wish I remembered her name too. Um, I know, I know. I, I, I cannot remember it who, who did the work, but she did a great job and I would love to work with her again. It wasn't so much a thing where we like really had much contact with her. It was just kind of went through our, our A&R guy. And so that's kind of why yeah. we didn't really. Was that, that Adam Scatula? That's our A&R guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone loves Adam. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Dude. Um, but yeah. So like, yeah, it's just, it's just like really important that the, that the album art has like, a uh, impact at least on, on the listener too, mm. other than just the songs themselves. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. That's really cool. I wanted to ask, um, kind of jumping into another gear. Um, what impact does faith have on the band? I, I'm not sure if you, I'm not going to get into the whole, are you guys a Christian band? I'm not going to get into that, but <laughs> of it, we've talked about faith. We obviously, you listen to the lyrics, you see, you see that there's believers in the band that, it comes from a place of faith. What, um, I guess what importance or, um, like how does faith influence you guys as a band? Uh, yeah. So, you know, it, people ask us all the time, uh, you know, are y'all a Christian band? And, you know, I, I always say, no, we're not. Um, but we are the main core of us are, you know, believers, Christians. Um, so, you know, there are things that we do like in our personal lives that are going to bleed into the music that we play. Um, but, you know, uh, I guess from a drummer's perspective, uh, that does not have a microphone. It's just kind of like we get up on stage and we're going to play our music and like, hopefully it connects with people on levels that they want to be able to come and meet us afterwards and talk about just life, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and then faith definitely plays into that to where, when we are connecting with people, through the music or through, you know, personal relationship at shows or wherever that those things will come up and we get to talk about it and, you know, share what we believe. Um, so, and then it's always going to be like prevalent, like within the lyrics and stuff like that. And Ernie can expound on that more, but yeah, I, I definitely, um, I will also say within that, like the three of us, um, that we, I mean, I know it's kind of confusing to some people, but like Idol Threat is a three piece band. Like we are, there's three of us that are like the main members of the band. And then we have a touring member and then we have a guy who just is at home. He has like a a full-time job and can't do the tours. So, but he helps write too. So like we're, we operate as a three piece, but we're really like a five piece, you know, the three of us in the band. And so when he says the core, he's talking about me, Zeke, uh, yeah, me, Zeke and, and JJ being, all believers and and like uh even the three of us differ uh in terms of like what that looks like uh mm-hmm. um i would say like you know or or how we uh how we how even even how this band uh is used as a tool like we we use it differently and so um i think like faith is is huge i, I think for me personally like the the lyric it's just like it's hard to do anything in my life without having faith um be incorporated into it because it is like kind of the the biggest part of it um Mm -hmm. and so uh so like he said like the lyrics will probably always have some element of faith to them um but that doesn't necessarily mean that like i uh am like a super uh like going to the shows and like try and to uh you know necessarily even evangelize like sometimes i'm just there to hang out we, we talk all the time like our phrase is like honestly i'm just trying to rock and like that's like kind of our like mantra as like a core group like 
we're just trying to get out there and like do something uh, that we feel like is worthwhile of our time and energy. And uh, I think as a byproduct, people identify that something is like different, you know, something is different with this band. Um, not necessarily in terms of like our, our songs, like we don't, we're not reinventing anything, you know, like we're, I'm not, we, we try to be uniquely us, but like, I, you know, you said as cities burn, like there are bands that sound like us before us. So, hmm. but when we're up there, like I have also been told, like, you know, I feel, uh, I, I feel the spirit whenever you guys are on stage, like, that means a lot to me. Like, that's super cool. Like that they, that they yeah. feel that, but I've also been told, you know, the classic, Hey, good set. Like afterwards that ended, <laughs> it just kind of ends there, you know? And like, Hey, that's cool too. Like I'm cool with whatever. And, and I think JJ said it great. Like we just want to be a, a, you know, a, a safe space for lack of a better word, like where people can come and like get to know us and we can get to know them and hear their stories and, um, it's truly experience like what I feel to be like an authentic sort of community um, with people that listen to us. Cause I, I don't think we'll ever be that band that like gets on stage plays and then you don't see them the rest of the night. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I want to always have that, that, you know, hopefully we're on a trajectory where we play much bigger shows and, and, but that's just so that way I can meet more people, you know, that's kind of right. like what I would like to do. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, you know, the way that we carry ourselves, um, I, I always try to use the word like accessible to where like, you know, I don't want people to feel like any spectrum of like, you know, intimidated or nervous or whatever to talk to us. Like, I'm just a simple dude. Like, yeah, like we're in a band and all this stuff. And, you know, I don't want people that are either Christian or not Christian or whatever to not want to come hang out and have like a relationship with us. Like, literally in my simplest form i'm just like a dude that likes barbecue and hockey like i come talk to me about that you know if if like if jesus comes up we can have a conversation about jesus if if it doesn't it doesn't like you know and i think meeting people where they're at and like you know connecting with them on on deeper levels is what's more important and that starts uh you know just being yourself um and i think mm-hmm. that that's that's one of the pros that this band has is that we're just like literally just out there being ourselves. So, Mm. yeah, I think that was always something when I was younger, I was, I was shy when I was younger, but whenever I would get to go see shows, I would always be kind of nervous to go talk to, to anybody in the bands. But I think as I got older, I'm just like, even the biggest bands is like, everybody's just a human being. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, some are, more humble than others <laughs> but <laughs> yeah you know it would be fun to come up to a show and i can be like hey jj how did uh how how did nashville do in the playoffs this year <laughs> let's let's not talk about that <laughs> oh, oh that's messed up <laughs> i mean i can say I'm that because pretty... my team didn't even make the playoffs so. <laughs> Hey, I mean, I'm a pretty open book, but there, there's some boundaries. Sorry. So I just wanted to ask, I know it's probably about time. It's been about an hour and I think you guys for giving up your time. I just wanted to ask real quick. Um, 
So Blurred Visions, that came out back in, I believe, October, November. So it's been out a bit, but there might be people listening to this who haven't heard it yet. So I want to just ask you guys, what is one thing that you want people to walk away with after listening to this album? And for those that haven't heard it, what do you want them to keep in mind going into their first listen? Yeah. Um, so I would say, so those that have heard it, um, I guess like, you know, that's a hard question actually, you know, let me think a little bit about it. So it's all right. I'll, I can run my mouth. If you've you got something, think. go ahead because, <laughs> okay. So first of all, the people that have heard it, thank you. Um, uh, literally like, you know, we, we ended up writing these songs and stuff like that, like working on them in a, in a warehouse, you know, like, um, and then we ended up getting to craft them together in a really, really cool like studio. Um, but like, you know, it, it means a lot to us that people take the time to actually dig into what we've been creating. So, um, yeah, just to like, keep it short and sweet. Like, thank you for like actually caring about what we're doing and you know, where we're moving forward from there. So. And can I quickly add as somebody who like, when I first heard it, it was, it was a great album. Um, but I think, I think I've heard it four or five times now and every time it's grown on me more and more. Like I listened to it earlier today and it, I was sitting in uh, the truck that I work in and I'm just rolling down the highway <laughs> and, and hearing these songs. I'm just like, man, like it's so good. And I would suggest don't just listen to like the singles or the popular songs, mm-hmm. listen to the whole thing all the way through. Yeah. Cause I, you know, every track is great. And mm-hmm some of the deep cuts, like the non single ones are like really good. And, and that's, some of the best you know, songs. that's how we crafted it too. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't think we don't approach music, writing it, trying to get that like one hit that's going to get like radio play and like Spotify playlists and all that. Like, you know, that's nice, but you know, we really wanted to put out a full body of work that completely embodies mm-hmm. like what mm-hmm. we have to offer, like as a band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to kind of piggyback off of what Chris said, sorry, uh, real quick is that to people who might be listening to the first, to it for the first time. Sorry, I can't speak. Um, I'm ashamed to say the first time I listened to it, I was not the biggest fan. Like I knew it was good, but I didn't I didn't connect with it first. And so I should maybe say that I didn't connect with it. Not that I wasn't the biggest fan. Um, I know when you guys uh, when you guys dropped pre-orders for it no turning back was the first single and i was like oh this is like the best song ever it sounded similar to cement which was my favorite song off of the previous ep so i would so at that point i actually or i guess from that point on till release day i didn't listen to any of the other singles i was like this album i can tell is going to be special so i want to go into it having not heard anything but I think because I only listened to that song, I was expecting 10 songs that sounded like No Turning Back. So I had to listen to it more and more, and it grew on me to the point where it was literally my album of the year. So <laughs> I, I just want to put that out there. Yeah, no, you guys aren't the first that, like, I, I, I've heard that a lot. And, you know, I don't know, like... I don't know how that, like, really makes me feel. Like, it's it, not necessarily... Like, <laughs> Like, but like so many people have said that, that it's like, you know, in some ways it, it, it also is kind of like how we are as a band. Like, 
I would say that with each record we've gotten better and, Mm -hmm. and that's, you know, that's what every band wants. Like Mm -hmm. we're not like the greatest at our instruments or at our crafts. We're just dudes that, that like music and we write what we want to hear, what we think sounds cool in the moment. And like, sometimes that doesn't hit and sometimes it does, but like, I will say from every record we've gotten better and we want to continue that trend as we keep writing. And, so it only makes sense to me that that also reflects in people's list, like when they listen through it, like multiple people have said every time they've listened to it, it has gotten better and they like it more and more and more. And so to me, like if anything, it's like, well, this is going to maybe like stand the test of time. Like people are going to keep listening to it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And that's what you want. Uh, you know, I don't want somebody who's going to listen to it one time think, okay, that was cool, but like, yeah, it's all right. And then never revisit it. Like I want you to, to, to keep, keep giving it a shot. And, um, I guess like that would be one, one thing that I was actually even thinking to answer your question about people who haven't heard it, like just give it a shot. Like, I think a lot of times, like you might hear a song that you maybe don't, you know, uh, don't resonate with super, super tight right away. And, um, but like, if you're a band like us, like we don't write, like he said, we're not writing a song hoping that it'll hook you like writing an entire front to back that mm-hmm. is supposed to try to come together and, and be something that, you know, means something to us first. I mean, if it means something to other people, great, but it has to mean something to us first. And so, um, yeah, if you haven't listened to it, just give it a shot. Uh, if you don't like it, as you've heard, give it another shot and then a third shot. <laughs> and then you will at like least it. three. And then if you don't <laughs> like it after that, get like some it. new ears. Yeah. <laughs> If you're still not into it, then we're not for you, and that is okay. Like I don't just need it to- make sure you buy a T-shirt and the record, like on vinyl first, and <laughs> there then you, go. you can say you don't like us. Yeah, there you go. You buy a record to burn it because it. you hate gonna, it so much. You're gonna be arrested. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. That's, That's great. great. Well, guys, thank you so much for mm-hmm. coming on to uh, the Kingdom Core podcast. It was a real pleasure to to meet with you guys, talk with you guys, and and have you guys on here. And I hope that some new people go and check out your music and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, go, go and support idle threat, go and check out their, their merch. We'll have links and all that stuff. Do you guys want to plug anything oh, yes. real quick? You guys are going on tour. You got social medias, merch, any of that. Yeah, we got uh, all the tours we mentioned earlier, but if you're only, if you're one of those weirdos that skips to the end of a podcast for some reason, and you didn't hear it. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're playing, um, Along the East Coast, uh, starting in, in Charlotte on uh, Monday, which I don't even know. What's that, the 16th? Uh, no? I think this is probably going to come out on Tuesday or Wednesday. Okay, okay. so we would so already, we'll be on tour. We're on tour. Yeah. And uh, we're going, like you said, up up through uh, up to New York and over to like the Chicago area. So um, we'll be doing that and then, um, catch us, uh, this summer at audio feed and then, um, down in Florida with Emory and over on the West coast with Norma Jean and Emory. Um, and then furnace fest in September. Um, and then also we plan on doing our, uh, we didn't really talk about it here, but that's okay. Uh, cause yeah, we, we haven't done it in a while, but we do our own festival called threat fest and, um hopefully the plan is to do that later on in the year so keep an eye out very cool awesome well thank you guys it's been a pleasure thank you yeah thanks for having us
Well, that's it for another episode of the Kingdom Core podcast. I want to thank you guys so much for either listening or watching for all the support over the last 15 episodes. We're getting up there. It's exciting to see this uh, collection of interviews form. We just want to give a special shout out to the core givers over on our Patreon page. Aaron Peter, Jonathan Lyman, Tiffany Cadenhead, Anthony Kuchma, and the Dead Petal Coffee Company. Thank you so much for all your support. It's absolutely amazing. You can go to patreon.com slash kingdom core podcast or follow the links either in our bios on Instagram or uh, the link tree that's linked somewhere in the show notes. Go check out the perks over there. You guys can get early access. Come in to our private Facebook group and chat with us. And we're hoping to get kind of like a quarterly Zoom call with all of you scheduled sometime in the near future. A little bit of a busy time for all of us, so it's hard to get that going. But uh, we want to do that. We want to chat with you guys and hear your thoughts on the podcast. We'll talk about faith and metal and rock, and it'll be a good time. Give this podcast a rating wherever you're listening to. Spotify now has ratings as well as Apple Music. Leave a review on Apple Music. We love reading those. It's so fun. Maybe we will read some in the near future as just a fun, fun little segment. And lastly, you guys can go follow us over on Instagram. Uh, you can follow me at four dot the dot rock and you can follow Sean's page Kingdom Core. You guys know it. Kingdom dot core on Instagram. If you're watching this on YouTube, hit subscribe on that video. It'd be awesome to have you as part of the For the Rock family. Come check out some of the other videos as well. Thank you to Idle Threat. Thank you, Tooth & Nail Records. It's awesome to have these guys in the scene and this absolutely amazing album, Blurred Visions. Go and listen to it and stay tuned for another awesome episode coming up soon and many more in the near future.